Welcome to This Day in History, where we discuss events in history, not history. We're your hosts, Emily and and Taylor. All right. So today's day in history is actually not today because we're not, we didn't get on the right deadline. We're not on top of it enough. We're not on top of it. Let's be real. We haven't done an episode in a while. So (laughs) welcome back. (laughs) Yeah, for real. But. The day we're discussing is November 17th, 1796. Emily, did you look up this day this year? Yeah, so 1796. What was going on in the world during that time? Well, if you're a fan of Hamilton, which I am, you'll remember that George Washington gave his farewell address. And later that year, John Adams beat Thomas Jefferson, and he became president of the United States. George III was the king over in England, and they also had the first smallpox vaccine in England around that time. And uh, Napoleon, not dynamite, but Bonaparte, he was large and in charge in France. But also something else very significant happened in 1796. Ooh, what is it? Well... Our good friend Catherine the Great sadly passed away. So, yeah. So today's episode is all about Catherine the Great. Emily, what do you know about Catherine the Great? Did you watch any documentaries to prep for this episode? I did. I watched this really good documentary on Hulu. Oh, what's the name of it? Um, oh, I believe it's called The Great. Pretty good show. No, that show actually is pretty funny. It's very historically inaccurate, but do like the main character, the actress, um, a lot. I also listened to the Queen's podcast. I listened to this, those episodes about Catherine the Great a while back, but I listened to them today to kind of refresh my memory, too. The Great was canceled, too. I know. I mean, it's kind of a different kind of humor. I get it. But, I mean, it's a really good show. People loved it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Okay. So... Let's start with Catherine's life. She was born on April 21st, 1729 as Sophie of Zerps in the prom- province of Pomerania, which is like in modern day Germany. But the dates in her life are kind of funky because they used the older calendar. So you might see her birthday in May, but in like today's calendar, it'd be in April. So that's the year is the same, 1729. Her parents were Christian August. He was Prince of Anhalt-Zerfs. And her mother was Joanna Elizabeth of Holstein-Gotorp. And they were actually 22 years difference in age when they married. Gross. Yeah. Her father is described as being, like, kind of simple and honest, like, to save money, like, liked a kind of the slower life, maybe in the country. And her mother was, like, the opposite. Extravagant, vivacious, quick-tempered. And it was supposed to be very beautiful. Also, this marriage is described as a downgrade for the mother. She wasn't very impressed at all. And the husband, Catherine's father, did not have the money to pay for the lifestyle that, lifestyle that Catherine's mom wanted. Basically, Joanna sucks. She's the worst. Just remember that. Yeah, she's described pretty badly in another podcast. <laughs> kind of like superficial and stuff like that. And when... Joanna was only 16. She had Sophie. She thought that it was going to be a boy and she was going to give birth to the heir and she'd be the heir's mother, blah, blah, blah. But really it was Sophie. So Sophie Augusta Federica. Because she wasn't a boy, Joanna just never really developed any maternal feelings for her daughter. And this is like something that affected Catherine for the rest of her life. She wrote about it in her memoirs as an empress of a huge nation that her relationship with her mom really affected her for a long time. 
Yeah, she has some mommy issues for sure. Growing up, Catherine knew that the only way she was going to get out of this like crabby situation with her mother was to marry. Yeah, that's kind of how life was for women back in the 1700s. And like forever before that too. And also before and after. <laughs> her mother did have some connections because the her brother had been appointed the guardian of this kid named Peter Ulrich, who was at that point the heir to the Swedish throne. And so that kind of laid down the plans for them to get married. By the way, they were second cousins is what I read. Gross. Yeah, I know. But there was a change of events, basically, and that Peter Ulrich kid, who was the heir to the uh, Swedish throne, then came the heir to the Russian Empire. So, different country. (laughs) At that point, the person in charge of Russia was Empress Elizabeth. She was the daughter of Peter the Great. Peter Ulrich, the guy she was engaged to, Catherine, he is Elizabeth's nephew. So their nephew and aunt. This wedding was set up. Catherine traveled to Russia when she was 15. And when she first met Peter, he told her that he was in love with another person, the daughter of a former lady waiting for Empress Elizabeth. And he was bummed that Empress Elizabeth would not let him marry her. And instead, he was going to have to marry Catherine. So not a great start. Yeah, like, oh, hey, I know we're supposed to, like, get married, but I love this other girl and she's so cute. And that's the best thing to say to her the first time you meet her. Your fiancé is declaring his love for someone else. Maybe it's not going to work out well. In June of 1744, she would have been about 15 or 16, Sophie converted to the Orthodox Church and that's when she becomes Ekaterina or Catherine in English. So... That's why she has two different names. So she, when she converted her religion, she changes names. I don't know why. I do. Oh, tell me. Well, according to Queen's podcast, it was because there was a coup years ago with maybe Peter the Great or someone else. I didn't look it up. but And the, the person involved name was Sophie. And so Elizabeth did not want there to be another Sophie that was involved or associated with, with Russia in that way. Because she wanted to keep her name. Yeah, she wanted to keep her name. But Elizabeth said, nope. Yeah, Elizabeth was interesting. Kind of eccentric as well. Catherine, the new name, newly named Catherine and Peter were married on August 21st, 1745. So I think they were both like 16. I think more, he might have been 17. And it was a very, very extravagant wedding. And at the end of the all the festivities, you know, Catherine was taken to her bedroom and like her ladies like dressed her for bed or whatever. And then she like waited and waited and waited for Peter to show up. And he finally did like hours later. And he was like super drunk and just like passed out. And I didn't like consummate their marriage. And this lasted for years and years and years. This is very reminiscent, except for the drunk part, really, of Marie Antoinette's marriage. Yes. Well, also, didn't she ask everyone in her close friends or I mean, she didn't really have a lot of friends, but like her ladies in waiting and she asked her mom like, hey, what happens on the wedding night? Because she had no idea. And it's not like they had Google back then. You could look it up and no one would tell her. So she had no idea like what to expect that wedding night. And then she waited and waited and waited. And then he finally showed up drunk and falls asleep. And so imagine being her being like, that it? Like, is that what everyone's like giving me warnings about? Poor thing. I know. 
fast forward a little bit, months into this marriage, still no baby because Peter just wasn't interested in her. He was much more into playing with his toy soldiers. He was like a kid. Yeah, there was something wrong with him too. Like he didn't go into puberty until a lot later. Yeah, you're right. We can go into that in a second. And this made Elizabeth real mad that there was no baby because she really wanted an heir. And so Elizabeth had a plan to fix this. Um, One was to isolate the couple. And so they were like almost on house arrest where they weren't around other people. And then they had this like watchdog couple, the Chocolakovs, I think is how you pronounce it, who were in charge of getting them to produce an heir, which doesn't seem to work. And the purpose of all this, again, was to make a baby, but Peter just was not having it. He wouldn't, like, he didn't want to have sex with Catherine. He never showed any interest in her at all. Instead, he would, like, bring his toy soldiers into bed and play with them all across the bed. Like, I'm picturing a big comforter, like a duvet or something, and then there's just all these, like, little toy soldiers. And then if Catherine even moved, like, it would all fall over and he'd get mad at her. So she would just stay really still in bed. Yeah, and remember that she was 16 when they got married. So, and he he's a year older, I think, right? Or they're they're about the same age. So, these are two teenagers and especially like a teenage boy who is just like, "Nope, I'm good. I'm I'm just going to play with my soldiers. I don't want to I don't want to do yeah. anything with you in bed. That's wild." He sounds like mentally he's a lot younger and the History Chicks podcast, those these are both good. That and Queen's podcast have covered her and they said that he was an alcoholic as early as the age of 11 so i wonder if something was going on in his development maybe right and then he got smallpox yeah and that seemed to really kind of regress him too yeah before they got married he got really sick with smallpox and he looked very different after that and Catherine saw him and kind of repulsed a little bit and that made him angry at her so i guess his opinion of his wife wasn't great so some people think that Peter's disinterest in producing an heir came or was because he may have had a condition called phimosis. Emily, the doctor, explain what that is. <laughs> yes. So phimosis is basically when the foreskin on the, the penis is unable to retract or like kind of slide back. And so it gets stuck and then it's like really tight so it can be really painful it can uh, bleed it it can get infected so yeah if he had that going on that could definitely explain why he would not want to be physical with Catherine what I read it often it's like when you're they're like boys and they tend to grow out of it and a smaller number of those people don't grow out of it it's just not confirmed that Peter had this is like a kind of a theory it's also some people thought this is what Marie Antoinette's husband had but also in that situation it really likely would have been that Marie Antoinette's husband just did not know what to do he just had never got it was given an instruction book yeah exactly I, I feel like if that was what was going on and he was like very attracted to Catherine and had sexual feelings for her I think that they could have seen the doctor or like found ways to like go around this So I think that that was not the whole cause of everything. I think he just had some issues. Right. I think so too. Okay. So Catherine, they're both in this lockdown situation for a long time. And eventually Catherine meets this dude named Sergei Saltikov. She starts dating him, basically. And Peter didn't seem to care. He thought it was a little bit funny that they were going over the heads of these jailer people that they were dealing with. So Catherine ended up getting pregnant a few times, probably by Sergei Saltikov. She did suffer at least two different miscarriages, and then she got pregnant in early 1754. 
And then by that May of the same year, they transported her very, very carefully to St. Petersburg to give birth. Have you heard those rumors in St. Petersburg? Have you heard what they say on the streets? Huh. <laughs> There's a baby in St. Petersburg instead of a rumor. <laughs> All right, so she gave birth in September of 1754. With tradition, it was on a mattress on the floor. That's just how they did it back then. And it was a boy. And Empress Elizabeth named the baby Paul, and then like everyone left the room with Elizabeth and the baby, and they just left Catherine behind on this mattress, probably like sweaty and gross. And right. it was hours before anyone came back there to help this woman who was like freshly postpartum. Yeah, that's really sad, especially because who knows how terrible her labor was because it was 1754 and you know she could have had some blood loss she's probably feeling really dizzy lightheaded she probably was exhausted and like dehydrated so that's really sad that she was just laying there without without anybody helping her for hours yeah and she didn't even see the baby for pretty much a whole week because elizabeth decided basically that was her baby and catherine was not involved in its Um, raising pretty much forever and so it kind of made it where Catherine never made those maternal bonds with her son and now there is a question of whose baby was this so Catherine said that she never slept with her husband that it wasn't Peter's it must have been Sergei's and a lot of people in Russia thought that was the case um Sergei never admitted it and Peter never said that it wasn't his child partly because they he got money out of the birth so why would he do that anyway but Paul, as a, an adult, was very similar to Peter, minus the alcoholism. And so because of those, those similarities, some people have the theory that it really was Peter's son. What do you think? Which, well, which is, that's interesting because if you watch The Great, they end up banging on the show. Also, the guy on The Great, or Peter, was very sexually active. <laughs> So after this, she had just given birth to a baby and then it was taken away from her without her, you know, will. And Catherine was kind of left alone. And it seems like she maybe went into a bit of a depression spiral a little bit. And I I would imagine this probably would be postpartum. Mm -hmm. She kind of retreated into like a small room away from her actual rooms because she didn't want to be around Peter. Like he was, I guess his rooms are really close. In this small I kind of picture like a like, like a study or like a small library and she just stayed in there for a long time and just read all of these different books about like philosophy and like past Roman rulers and stuff like that and kind of retreated for a long time to, to heal right and to plan her next moves. So during that depression, she ended up reading a lot and learning more probably about Russia and then what happened? So I fast forwarded a little bit. So that was in 1754, and I'm going to fast forward a little bit to around 1761. So it's been several years. She's been, during this time, healing and then making connections, making friends, making plans to do what she was going to do. And during this time, this like really big love in Catherine's life comes into play, and Gregory Orloff, who was about five years older than her, he came from a family of soldiers, he had and a one eye i'm not sure when he lost the eye but he lost in some kind of a fight and on the history chicks they compare him to mad eye moody from harry potter so it's that kind of vibe but maybe a a bit younger and they started dating in the summer of 1761 and she's still married obviously she had had another lover in between this but i just didn't have time to include it and during that time she did have a second baby so she gets pregnant by orlov 
at that time. That's Mad-Eye Mooney, right? Mad-Eye Mooney's baby, yeah. Okay. When she was like six months pregnant, she was like heavily pregnant, Empress Elizabeth died. Her decline had been going on for a while, so it wasn't that shocking. Like she knew it was coming, everyone did. And that was in early January of 1762. And so Peter became Peter III of Russia. And like he's been eccentric for his whole life, but he was really weird during this funeral. No way. He was being weird? He was being weird? What? He was making such a mockery of the funeral and like the procession where he was walking and he would run really fast and make everyone follow him really quickly and then stop. He was just being a weirdo. And he became emperor. He did not do a good job. People did not like him. And April of that year, this is all in the same year, pretty much. Catherine gave birth to Orlov's son and it had to be a secret. And so the baby had to be taken away in secret to be raised by his father's family, I believe. Catherine's valet actually had this whole diversion. Who He set his own house on fire whenever she was in labor to make this distraction. So that valet must have really loved Catherine to set fire to his own home. Uh, yeah, what the hell? If my boss was like, hey, do you mind setting your house on fire so no one notices I'm pregnant? I'd be like, uh, what? <laughs> I wonder if she asked him to or if she did it or he did it because he loved her or something. Like he was like loyal. Maybe he bought a good like house, like you insurance. Know, insurance and wanted to get the money. <laughs> Maybe. Um, and it worked, I'm assuming. So that's good. And then that was April. In July of 1762, all in the same year, this is going on, Catherine started her coup. She'd been planning it for a while. It actually had to start earlier because someone in her group accidentally got arrested. And so they had to do it like now or never, basically. And so she, at the time, was at Peterhof and she made a point to, to make sure that her hair like wasn't powdered. They went off to the capital, and as they were doing this, like more and more soldiers were joining them and pledging their allegiance to her. And by that morning, this happened like middle of the night, I think, but at, by the morning time, she had already been declared empress. So it was a pretty fast, bloodless uh, coup, and I'm sure Peter made it easier for her because he had made everyone dislike him so much. They were like, yeah, okay, fine. I, that sounds good. Right. Exactly. Because if you remember, you know, Peter initially was going to be the heir or the king of Sweden. And then he switched to Russia and he really didn't care that much about Russia. He, he didn't really care enough to like, you know, learn about the country, about the customs, the language. And then Catherine comes in and she's like, all right, I'm going to learn everything I can. I'm going to learn this language. I'm going to switch religions. And the people loved Catherine a lot more than they loved Peter. He was the Duke of Holstein, which was an area in Germany. And so he cared a lot more about his Holstein area than in Russia. He was a big fan of Prussia, which is a different country. And even though, like, for a long time, Prussia and Russia were at war against one another, Peter liked Prussia. Right. That made it so much easier for people to um, switch on him. So by the morning, she was declared empress. But Peter had no idea this was going on. He was somewhere else. Didn't know what was going on. Ha- he had no clue that it happened. At one point, he showed up to a, lo- a certain location and he told them to let him in, that he was the emperor. And they said, well, we don't have an emperor. Long live Empress Catherine. Very quickly, he ended up writing out his renouncement of the throne. He didn't really put up a fight. So that was short and sweet. So how do you spell Q? Is it C-O-O? C-O-U-P. Oh. <laughs> so not cuckoo, like a bird? <laughs> cuckoo? Oh, okay. Coo. So if you're... <laughs> so if you are wondering, what is Prussia? 
Well, according to Google, it is compromised of parts of the modern-day nations of Germany, Poland, and Russia, as well as some other nearby nations. Okay. So, for some reason, I thought Prussia was more in the east, like Eastern Europe, but actually it's pretty focal, like where we think of Germany, Poland, stuff like that. One thing that Peter did that people really didn't like when he was ruler of Russia is that he wanted to go a war to war against Denmark, but not Russia versus Denmark, but Holstein versus Denmark. So he wanted his like his people in Russia to go to war against Denmark for Holstein. That was not seen as a very favorable thing for the kingdom of of russia he did like change things up in terms of religion which really also really made people mad as well he's not considered a very good ruler obviously yeah peter reigned for only about six months whenever he was renounced they like took him into custody i guess you would call it and he originally he was like oh send me back to holstein you know his, his little area right this was seen as a bad idea because someone could use him as a puppet to invade Russia. Like, I don't know if he would be smart enough or have the actual political maneuvering to raise troops and invade Russia. But someone like the, you know, the dude in, in charge of Prussia might use him as a puppet to then do it. That was seen as a threat if he were to be sent back to Holstein. And so Catherine decided that it'd be better if he was imprisoned. You know, lock him up somewhere. Yeah. As his jailer, she put in charge Alexis Orlov, Orlov, which was the brother of her lover, Gregory Orlov. But mm-hmm. about a week later, Peter was dead. Dun, 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 dun. dun, dun. <laughs> so it seems like there was a dinner with Peter and all these jailers, including Orlov guy and other men that had helped Catherine with the coup. And then some kind of fight broke out and Peter was strangled. Hmm. Interesting. Suspicious. Very suspicious. It's thought that Catherine likely did not order his death. Like she didn't, she probably didn't tell them to go kill Peter, but she did put these people in power to where they could. It's not clear if these men had planned this ahead of time or if they all got drunk and somehow a fight, like, you know, they made each other mad, a fight broke out, and then in the scuffle, for some reason, he was strangled. But either way, he was dead. And it didn't look very good on Catherine that this person had died under her watch, because she was in charge, right. so now everything is her fault. <laughs> so what year was that when he died? It would have been 1762. So the same year that he got into power as Peter Third. Yes. And the same year that she had the son with Mad-Eye Moody. Yes. Yeah. Wow. In the same year that, yeah, Elizabeth died. So a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff happened this year. Yeah. So she did do an autopsy to rule out things like poisoning. It didn't, didn't come up. And so the official cause of death was an acute hemorrhoidal attack that caused an apoplectic stroke. All right. Um, let's, uh, <laughs> let's attack this. Let me crack my knuckles. All right. So you said... An, an acute hemorrhoidal attack. I'm not sure what the difference between like getting hemorrhoids and having a hemorrhoidal attack is. But it somehow caused an apoplectic stroke. Can you explain an apple? How? What is? What kind of stroke is that? So apoplexy is kind of an older. We don't really use that anymore. I would say a hemorrhagic stroke. So that means when there is ruptured blood. So a vessel has ruptured in the brain. So that's that's what the apoplectic stroke translates to in today's terms. So I'm really trying to understand the relation between hemorrhoids and a stroke because, I mean, are they saying that he had some sort of bleeding disorder where he 
was just bleeding everywhere. He was bleeding hemorrhoids. He had blood bleeding in his brain. I mean, if he had hip like hemophilia or something, that would be a much earlier diagnosis and presentation. Unless they kept that secret for his whole life, which I kind of doubt. And if I had to guess, I would say like, oh, he had hemorrhoids so bad that it caused a clot that went to his brain. Either way, obviously, this is not really how he died. Like, this was not true. And it's just funny that this was their this was their conclusion. Like, what? Yeah, and just to make sure that my medical knowledge has not gone to waste, I just googled, "Can hemorrhoids cause a stroke?" <laughs> and the answer is <laughs> no. <laughs> Those people obviously don't know who Peter the Third is. Yeah. Like, like maybe he had colon cancer. And he was having some tumors around the colon and the rectum, and then he had a stroke because he, when you have cancer, you have a higher, higher risk of clotting. But uh, no, no, I say it. Eh, that was not really the cause of death. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, I think Catherine the Great was uh, slipping someone some hundreds at the back of that uh, autopsy lab. <laughs> like, hey, uh, just put whatever you want. <laughs> Don't put strangling. <laughs> Just put whatever you want. <laughs> Afterwards, she's probably like, could you not pick a less weird way to have him die? Come on. She, yeah. Uh, yeah, she was pissed. It makes sense. Yeah. And so that is how Catherine the Great became her, the sole ruler of Russia <laughs> for 35 years. That's oh, how long her man. reign lasted. And it's funny because, you know, she was one of the most famous rulers of Russia, but she's not Russian. She's German. And, and it's right. kind of funny. Also, you know of the Romanovs. And so this... Yes, I have. (laughs) We have a problem. Um, This, her dynasty is also the Romanov dynasty. And it's just kind of funny because her heir eventually became her son Paul for about five years until he was assassinated. But it's funny that it's, it's very possible that her heir, the person next on the throne, was also you know, not royalty of this line because his father might have been Sergei Saltikov. True, true. And she reigned for a long time, blah, blah, blah. In November of 1796, ooh, that's the de- the date that we use for this episode, Catherine got up like normal. She, got, she used to drink like four cups of black coffee a day. And I wonder how big these cups are. Like, like espresso cups? I don't know. If they were normal cups, I'm like, damn. I mean, I feel like I do that most days, though. So, um, but anyway, so that day she got she got up like normal, drank her gallon of coffee, and then she had a stroke in her dressing room and was found there unconscious. And so they brought her out, and she did not regain consciousness, and she had di- died about 36 hours later at the age of 67. It was the end of an era. After her death, a room, this horrible rumor started, I'm not sure when it actually started, but it started after her death that her cause of death was because she ha- could no longer be satisfied by men and instead tried out, tried to satisfy herself with a horse and had some kind of apparatus and then the horse crushed her. Oh my gosh. Picking up these <laughs> cause of death. In the 1700s. Um, but she still has her, her legacy. She has the long, is the longest reigning empress of Russia. She established educational reform. She champ- really promoted the, the development of the arts. 
and she extended Russia's borders. And she's also pretty famous for encouraging the public to get inoculated for smallpox. She really pushed that because she wanted to protect her her, her people. She wanted yeah, to her people. protect her people and she looked out for public health. That's awesome. Right. She believed in it. Mm-hmm. So that is the story, a very kind of summarized story of Catherine the Great and how she became Empress of Russia and then the end of her reign. <laughs> There's so much more to her and we, we could do like several episodes on Catherine and right now we just don't have the ability to do that. Most of my info came from Catherine the Great. Uh, the Most of my research came from Catherine the Great, Portrait of a Woman by Robert Massey. You can also find good episodes of um, the History Chicks and Queen's podcast that do much more in-depth versions of her life. So if you want even more info on her, that's a great source. And The Great is a fun TV show to watch. They make it very clear that it's not accurate, so it's, right. there's no like confusion. I you know, which also I kind of feel like those kind of TV shows, if it doesn't say documentary, I would assume it's not accurate. Right. And I will say for people like me who are not huge history buffs who may not read all of the history novels out there it was a nice introduction to Mm -hmm. Catherine the Great also being very humorous and I could like you know pay attention and follow along yeah it's fun so that's the end of our episode our goal at this point is to do like one episode a month because it's hard for us to get together we have full-time jobs yeah so that's our goal to not get too overwhelmed and then not also leave y'all without any episodes. Yeah. And the next episode, Emily might be leading it. Yes. So like I said before, you know, I'm not the biggest like history person, but I do have some women of, I mean, I do have some women in mind and they're more of the pop culture, more modern, mm-hmm. more like musicians, actresses. All great that, people on our list. All, all great women. Yes. That I you know, respect. And so that's kind of what I was thinking of doing. So I hope that we can kind of, you know, can have a little bit of modern history and a little bit of traditional history and kind of keep it fresh. We're going to go all over basically. To end the episode, Taylor, tell me your final thoughts, your impression of Catherine the Great. How does she kind of rank and with the other women that you like to talk about on TikTok? So Catherine, throughout history, is definitely on par with other queens that have ruled, including Elizabeth I and Queen Victoria. She could have easily fallen into obscurity and not become this big name in history that we know. But she really pushed forward because she wanted to better her country. And I think a lot of lessons to take from her. And it's definitely, at the very least, a very interesting story to learn about. Yes. Yes. My impression is that she's a bad bitch that don't need no man. And she (laughs) and she's all about, yeah, protecting her people and learning about cultures and learning about languages. And she's just like, yeah, she's interesting. And like, I think she'd be cool to like grab a drink with, you know? Yeah. If she had any time, she'd be too busy to see us anyway. Yeah. I mean, she's probably too busy to hang out with us, but it's fine. Yeah. I get it. Well, thank you for joining us. And I hope you. And listen to us next time on This Day in History. Bye. Bye.